All right. Hey, I'm Dave, and I don't know if Aaron has you fired up. She had me all fired up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I don't know about that. Here we go. No, really. Hey, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians. Yes, we're going to be there. And uh, before we do, before we get there, I want to talk about vision cards that are available as you came in. I don't know if you grabbed one. If not, grab one on your way out. There's some updated dates as we look at uh, these five months. As we look at finishing out this ministry year headed into June, there's some, there's some dates coming up leading into Vision Weekend, which is going to be June 10th. And so the next event coming up is All in Prayer on January 18th on all of our campuses, and we're inviting you to come participate. We hope that you would come and be part of that because what those nights are focused on is praying the vision into reality. So we want to invite you to come and be part of that if you would. And then from there, all the rest of the things that are there are for all of us to do together as we, as we head into 2023. But uh, as we kick off this year, we're in a series we're calling Clean Slate, as we're looking at the first three verses of uh, this letter to the Ephesians. We'll be looking over the next six weeks at the first three chapters, talking about our identity in Christ as followers of Christ. And that brings us to a question, why does our identity matter? Why does that matter? Why should I even care? Why should I care about our identity? Well, identity is at the center of the world. The culture says this. What does culture say? Culture says you get to choose your identity. You get to be whoever you want to be. You get to, you get to define who you are. You get to define what you are. And out of identity comes actions, thoughts, beliefs. The things that we do in our life are driven by how we view ourselves. And the problem that we face as followers of Christ is when, when we become a new creation in Christ, we are now defined by what God says, not by what we say. God gets to define who we are. Our identity is, is from God alone. And so our identity impacts how we think and what we do. And as followers of Christ, it's essential that we would understand uh, what God says about who we are. What is our identity? And that takes us to, to this first week. We're only looking at the first two verses uh, of this letter. Um, we're not going to do that every week. We're not going to go uh, two verses at a time. But for this week, we're just doing the introduction, the salutation, the greeting. Uh, so that's all we're doing. But, but here's the big idea. And this is really important because this is going to drive how we view this entire letter. If you don't buy into this one out of the gate, you can check out, put it back on the shelf and go, go another day, another time, another place. Because if you don't buy into this truth, that this is essential to understanding this letter. And that is this, that if you are a follower of Christ, you are a saint. You are a saint. The big idea this weekend is I am a saint set apart for God's purpose. If you're a follower of Christ, this is true. And so if you don't believe that's true, I'm gonna encourage you, grab a sticky note this week to write that out, put it on your mirror, and every morning, begin your morning telling yourself this truth. I am a saint set apart for God's purpose. Because why? Because it's gonna impact how you live that day. If you see yourself in the truth of what God says about who you are, and that is you are a saint. Now, the problem we face is when we hear that word, that word carries a lot of baggage in our world. So when you hear the word saint, what do you think? 
What comes to mind? Maybe you grew up in a, in a tradition where um, it was all about the saints, St. Paul, St. Matthew, St. Augustine, whatever. You know, you have this idea like there was this especially holy people that they were the saints. Or maybe you grew up in a church tradition. You never talked about that. And the closest thing that you come up with with the word saint is St. Bernard. That's the one for you. I don't know. Depends on our background. But I definitely don't see myself as a saint. I'm not one of those people. In fact, if you look up in in an English dictionary, the word saint, it even tells you in English, the word saint means the really holy people. That is not what the word means in the New Testament. It's not talking about the really holy people. It's talking about the people who are set apart for God's purpose. And so here we are in Ephesians. We're gonna be, uh, once again, just the opening two verses. I wanna encourage you, as, as we go through this series, a couple tools that you'll need. You need a pen and you need a highlighter, okay? You don't need this pen or this highlighter. I'm just saying you need a pen and a highlighter. You need a journal, scripture journal, a copy of the Bible that you're willing to write in. And if you don't write in the Bible, bring something to write in because we're gonna invite you to go ahead and mark it up, dig in, write around. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go get a brand new Bible because I've been through Ephesians a bunch and I have that thing all marked up inside and out. And so I'm going to go get a clean version of a Bible so I can write in it. Because I I think Bibles are meant to be written in, and maybe you're like, oh, wow, how could you ever write in a Bible? I had a lady once upon a time. You guys are going to get this one for free. Nobody else got this one. Once upon a time, she said, you know what? I've never written in a Bible. She was in her 80s. I've never written in a Bible. I'm not sure I can do that. I'm like, "Just, just highlight as you go along. And so she got a copy of the Bible, and she started to highlight in it as she went along. And she came to me one day, and she's like, When I go back and read, God brings these things back to mind. I'm like, yeah, it's super cool, isn't it? And then she ended up, she passed away, and and I asked her family if I could get her Bible, and I could could look through the notes that she had in that. She'd had it for a couple years, and I looked through it, and I was like, this is super cool. I, I know her because I interacted with the way she interacted with the scriptures. It was super cool. And so it's actually something that you can leave as a legacy to somebody else. So we're going to invite you to go ahead and, and write, get, get a copy of the Bible or a scripture journal. If you didn't get a scripture journal that we're giving away for free, we're sorry. They're on back order. They're coming someday. And so when they come in, you can get a copy of that one as well. Until then, take notes on another page, and then we can stick them in there when it comes. So here we go. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to um, reading the scriptures and, and especially when it comes to New Testament letters, it can be difficult for us to see these as part of God's story. And, and so when it comes to New Testament letters, what we tend to do is we tend to jump to putting ourselves at the center of the story and trying to be like, okay, what's, what's this have to do with me? How I act? What do I do? Okay, so where am I in the midst of this letter? And I want to encourage you that as we begin this to zoom out just a little bit, that you wouldn't begin with where are you in the story, and instead we'd make a simple observation as we begin. And that simple observation is what is this story telling us about, about the characters? I know that's hard to talk about characters in a letter, about the characters of the letter. And, and I want to acknowledge out of the gate that if you have a study Bible down in the notes, you've probably already read that there's a couple of issues in these first two verses about a couple of things. And the first one is, was this letter actually written by Paul? 
That's just a common question out there. And so um, in, in scholarly circles, they, they debate things like, was this letter really written by Paul? And the reason that they question whether or not this letter was really written by Paul is because some of the words that are used. The New Testament was written in Greek. If you don't know, it was written in Greek. And, and he would use some, some Greek words that he didn't use in other letters in this letter to the church in Ephesus. And so in this letter, people would go, was it written by him or was it written by a colleague of Paul's? And so for our purposes, we're not gonna go through that entire argument. We're simply gonna say, yes, this letter was from Paul. Written to who? Written to the saints who are in Ephesus. And that brings us to the second issue. Is, is was this letter written to the followers of Christ who are in Ephesus? Now, the reason that becomes a question is, there are some manuscripts where that, that letter uh, says in Ephesus, and there are some manuscripts where the in Ephesus is let out. It, it's just not there. And so where that has led scholars is to be like, okay, well, wait a minute. Why would they have left off the in Ephesus in some of those letters? And so generally accepted that this is a circular letter. So Paul, it's about AD 61, 62, so a long time ago, this is about 30 years after Christ. I'm using ballpark numbers, okay? If you're, like, if you're my daughter, you'd be like, no, it's you know, 0.5. She'd be down to that. But if we're using ballpark numbers. It's about 30 years after, after the death of Christ. It's about 10 years after Paul has been in Ephesus, and he's writing a letter from prison in Rome. And he's writing it to a group of churches that are in Asia in, in modern-day Turkey. And so he's already been through there. Ten years earlier, he's already been through that region. And he's writing a letter to them that really is addressing their identity in Christ as a, as a group of people, who they are in Christ, and then how they shall live. And so in that region, there's a capital city by the name of Ephesus, and then there's a group of other cities. And this is considered to be a circular letter that would have went from city to city of those churches that are in Asia. Does this sound familiar to you? If you were paying attention in our series about Revelation, it should sound really familiar because that was a circular letter written to the churches who were in Asia, beginning with the church that was in Ephesus. And that's the same about this letter. And, and it was written at the same time two other letters were written in the New Testament, and that is the book we call Colossians, and then a letter to a guy by the name of Philemon, that these two letters were written around the same time frame as Paul was in prison in Rome. Now, Paul knew the people in Ephesus. He had spent time there. In Acts chapter 19, we read about that, that, that Paul had spent a, a couple of years there. In Acts chapter 19, it says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And, and then they give the number about 12, 12-ish, about 12-ish followers of Christ. He finds in, in Ephesus and he begins by asking them, do they know the Holy Spirit? And they're like, Holy Spirit? We don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And he begins to tell them about the Holy Spirit. They become indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to, to teach there for a while. For three months, he teaches in the local synagogue. The, the synagogue is the place where the, the Jewish people would gather and they would debate the scriptures. And, and, and for three months, he taught in the synagogue. And, and he, 
taught until it says that the, the people became so obstinate. They were so hard-headed that he's like, I got to go somewhere else. And he found a lecture hall where he went. And then it says for two years, right? This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So why? Why is that important? Well, if we look at verse 2, it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul uses as a common greeting is this phrase, grace to you and peace. Like that's, that's a common greeting that he uses in his letters. And to us, we'd be just like, well, that's just, you know, what we'd say, like, dear so-and-so, isn't that the same? And the answer is, no, that's not the same. When he's writing grace to you in peace, he's using a Greek greeting and a Jewish greeting in the same kind of phrase, because why? He's writing to Jews and Greeks, because throughout Acts, it's really clear in Acts chapter 19 that his ministry was to both Jews and Greeks. And the reason this is important is we have to understand how the church was formed. When the church began, it wasn't like, okay, one day there was Judaism, and then the next day there was Christianity. And, and you just converted. One day you were Jewish, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I became a Christian. That is not the way the church began. It wasn't like, okay, there's, there's this belief system, and now there's a new belief system I'll go be a part of. The way it began was that there were these followers of Christ. They, they, they were Jewish people, but they recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, and they put their faith in Jesus and began to follow Jesus. And then there were these other people called Gentiles. They were the the, the people who were not Jews, and they then were invited into the same faith, that they would become followers of Jesus. And at the time Paul is writing this, there's not even a thing yet called Christian. That becomes later in the book of Acts. There become these things called Christians, and that word just mean little Christ, little, little images of Christ. So at this time, what, what's going on? There's a group of people who've been identified as the people who are the holy ones or the people who are set apart. And the other thing that, that's gonna be really important for us is as we look at what this, what this letter is all about, Paul mentions his name one time in this opening. He mentions the recipients of the letter, which is the believers, the, those people who've been set apart from God for God's purpose. And then he mentions Christ Jesus and God. He mentions this five times. And so when it comes to letters, it's hard for us to see characters in this. But if we were going to say, hey, at, at the onset, as Paul made clear, that the major players in his story, in this letter, the major players are God and Jesus. And then we're going to see the Holy Spirit next week. They, like they are. This is about what God has done. And often what we do, we just want to get, just get me, get me past that. Get me to the stuff that I'm supposed to do. Who am I supposed to be? And that takes us to a, one of our big problems. And one of our big problems is, culturally, this is how we view identity. Identity begins with the individual, and then we may see ourselves as part of a collective whole. It's just kind of how we're wired. And so I don't want you to see this as bad or good, but I want you to recognize what is. That we view personality and, and identity at the individual level as being most important. This is not true in cultures around the world. 
In other cultures around the world, it begins with the collective whole. What's most important is the collective whole that I am part of, and then my identity comes out of the collective whole. And that is the context of the New Testament. If we don't understand that, we will not understand this letter. It begins with our identity as a collective whole, that our identity is as the people of God. Understanding our identity begins with the collective whole, and this is essential in understanding Paul's writing. He has no grid for your identity beginning in your personality than growing to the whole. It's only in this idea, he comes from a Jewish background and then he becomes part of the people of God called the church. He has only a grid for that. And because we're part of the whole, then we see our personal identity. So we're gonna, we're gonna drill this week after week after week. And, and it's gonna require some work because we are not wired this way. This is, not how, this is not how our brain thinks. This is not in our operating system. Our operating system, even right now, you're maybe struggling with that. Like, well, how can I be part of a collective whole if I'm not first? It begins at the collective whole. Paul's reasoning begins with the collective whole. And one of the, one of the problems that we face is with the English language. And we say this all the time. It's the word you. How often, when you hear the word you, do you think y'all? Almost never. If I were to say you, you understand that as me. If I say you, you don't think that I'm talking to you, right? It's not how we think. And yet in this letter, the you's are y'all's. Y'all, and we, we so then take that and personalize it that we don't begin with, hey, this is to all of us. And because it's to all of us, it have implications to me. We do it in the reverse. This is to me, and because of that, that has implications to the whole. And it's going to matter as we work our way through this letter that we would understand that first and foremost, we're a people set apart for God's purpose. And this has always been God's story. In the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 19, as God took the children of Israel led by Moses into the wilderness and he set them apart to be his people. In Exodus chapter 19, verses five and six say, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. That treasured possession, that word possession, um, it, it literally is personal property. Like, you are the treasured personal property of God himself. That was the children of Israel. And now Paul's arguing that that would actually be both Jew and Gentile, those who are set apart for God's purpose. The word can be translated holy ones, saints, those people, they are now God's people. God's people are saints People set apart for his purpose. This is going to be an important word that we would understand because he uses it a lot. And sometimes your translation may cloud a little bit. So if you read the word saint and you read the word holy in this letter, it's the same word. It's important that you would remember that as you read, as you listen through this letter, that the word saint, the word holy, same word, talking about the same thing. It means a people set apart for God's 
purpose. It's not talking about the super religious people. It's not like, hey, those are the good Christians and these are the bad Christians. No, it's talking about the people of God set apart for God's purpose. And if you have new life in Christ, that's your part in the story. You're part of the collective whole called God's people, the saints. So there's some terms that we can use interchangeably. We will use these terms interchangeably. We're talking about saints, talking about disciples. We're talking about uh, followers of Jesus or a Jesus follower, that, that we would use these terms, saint, disciple, Jesus follower, interchangeably, because they're talking about the same people, those who have new life in Christ. And, and that's who we are. And that means as we talk about our vision in 2023 and we talk about our vision as a church, we have a vision to see the region in which we live invaded by the life-transforming presence of Jesus. That's our vision, man. That's what we wanna see. We wanna see, see people meet and follow Jesus to see the, the power of the spirit of God become real in their world, to change their world to, and, and to be part of an entirely new life. You see, that means that as followers of Jesus, as part of Two Rivers Church, we are in the saint-making business. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if that makes you uncomfortable. I'm like, I, man, don't call me a saint. Somehow we think that it's spiritual that we like, don't call me a saint. I'm not that good. No, it just means you're a person set apart for God's purpose. This is what's true. And so how do we open our eyes to see what is true? So as I, I thought about this, um, this is just yesterday, as we think back to um, going through the revelation of Jesus, as we think back going through that letter, we talked about at the time how there was no greater motivation than revelation to, to motivate us towards the vision that God has given us. That, that it is clear that the time is short. There's an urgency to the message. It's something that we need to be urgently pursuing, and that is that people would know Jesus. But, but as we come to this letter, if we want to talk about what is the vision, I believe it's summarized in this letter we call the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. This is, that we would, we would see people meet Jesus, that they would learn who Jesus is, that they would be transformed by Jesus, and then they would live in a Jesus community. That's this letter. Paul, Paul's actually, he doesn't address, this letter is unique in his writing. He doesn't address any problems that are going on. He doesn't address any issues that they have. It literally is your identity in Christ within the community of faith. How then shall you live? And so those are the two pieces. The first we're gonna understand in the first series, who we are. And then the second series will be, how then shall we live? In light of who we are, how does that play out in our lives. Now, as, as we look here in, in verse one, when it says to the holy ones, to the saints, to the people set apart for God's purpose, who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Highlight circle, right? The word saints and highlight circle underline the word in Christ Jesus. You see, as followers of Jesus, our identity is found in Christ. That's where we find it. Only in Christ. Now, I want to encourage you that we are not going to be able to get there today. We're going to, over a series of six weeks, talk about what it means to have an identity that is in Christ. And, and this means that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And we're going to talk about that. 
It, but here's the thing that's going to be really, really important. We've emphasized it and emphasized it and emphasized that we would see that it begins with a we. It begins with, I'm part of his people, that, that not only am I in Christ, but we are in Christ. If, if Christ is going to be, we're going to see that he is the head of the church and we're the body. It means that as a collective whole, yes, I am personally in Christ, but we collectively are in Christ. And that's the beginning place for us really understanding who we are. Now, there's a phrase. I've told you this phrase before. If, if you want to hit me with a phrase that's like um, nails on a chalkboard just going in my soul, right? Like, like in my soul, nails on a chalkboard, everything within me just cringing. Pick this book up and say, this is God's love letter to you. That, that to me, it just like grates on every nerve. And now with that, when people say that, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I want to be like, they have the best of intentions. They mean well. Yeah, well, first of all, it's not a book. It's 66 books. And so I'm very exacting when it comes to that. So, so it's not, it can't possibly be. And not only some of it is a letter, most of it is what? It's God's story. It's God's self-revelation of who he is. And if we begin with God at the center of the universe, our part is to understand who God is. And so this is God's revelation of how people can know him and walk with him. And ultimately, it all points us towards Jesus. And so as we come to this letter, to the people set apart who are in Ephesus, to the followers of Jesus who are in Ephesus, at best, we could say this is God's love letter to y'all. And I think it's really huge because if we say this is God's love letter to you, it just doubles down on this mentality that we have to overcome as followers of Christ, and that is that I'm the most important person in the world. I'm the most important person in the world. This is how we think. The world begins and ends with me. And so as we think about being people who are God's personal property, as I thought about that this week, what an incredibly encouraging phrase. What, and like, like possession, I kind of go, oh, but God's personal property? I, I thought about that, and I thought about that, and I thought about that. And I'll be like, okay, when it comes to personal property, I like my personal property. I don't like people to mess with my personal property. They can mess with your personal property. That's just fine. But when it comes to my personal property, I don't like people to mess with my personal property. Here's how shallow I am. It was a number of years ago, but there was a, there was a pair of flip-flops that I had. And they, were, they, they weren't like, there's nothing about them that was nice. They were used. And I had somebody visiting their house, and they wanted to help our family. They were helping our family do a project in the yard. And this person wore my flip-flops into the yard to do yard work and wore them, but they're my flip-flops. And I was all like hurt, wounded, and offended that this person would put their bare feet where my bare feet were gonna go because there's something really personable, uh, personal about a pair of flip-flops. If I'm gonna wear them barefoot and then you put your bare foot there, then all of a sudden I'm going, well, if you got fungus, now I'm gonna have fungus. This is a problem. Don't wear my flip-flops. How shallow is that? I didn't care about them. 
And if I did care, how hard would it have been for me to go buy another pair? Where we were living at the time, wouldn't have been hard. Wouldn't have been much money. Wouldn't have been super easy. The whole point is, if, if I cared that much about a stupid pair of flip-flops, how much does God care about me as his personal property? All of a sudden, I'm like, that's the most encouraging thing that I could ever think, that I am God's personal property. Like, like it's not like I need to worry that somehow he's going to let me go, that he's going to trade me in for a new one. No, that, that if we are the people of God, set apart for God's purpose, the saints, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, if that's who we are as God's people, we belong to him in a personal property kind of way, how tight is he going to hold on to us? And the reality is super tight. So as we read this letter, as we work our way through it, um, here's, here's a reminder. You likely know this. As we dig in, here's an important reminder. This is, this is one of the voices in my world that kind of shaped me as a follower of Jesus. His name is Dallas Willard. He writes that the New Testament, New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, and for disciples of Jesus Christ. As we read this letter... If you have new life in Christ, this, this letter is for you. If you don't have new life in Christ, it is for you, but, but from a different perspective. This isn't about how to be a good person. It's not about how to live a better life. Ultimately, as, as we begin, and it talks about experiencing the, the grace and peace that come from God alone, this letter is all about living out that reality. The only way to experience that is in Christ. This letter is going to be all about experiencing the fullness of God, all that he has for you. It's going to be all about experiencing the grace of God and the newness, the clean slate that only he can give. But if we don't begin with, with placing our trust in Jesus, we're never going to experience that. We can just read about it. We're just going to see what that life entails. We can have a picture of what that is for other people because this letter is for those who are in Christ. They are disciples. They are followers of Jesus. Ephesians is a letter laying out who we are in Christ. That's what it lays out. This is who you are. And so will we open our eyes to what is true? Will we open our eyes to reality? Will we begin to trade away what we think about ourselves or maybe how we define ourselves and be like, okay, wait, let me see what God says about those who are in Christ, the saints. So we're going to have some guidelines for Ephesians as you read along. And here's the first. The first one is start with the whole. Start with the whole and ask yourself what themes emerge. When you get a letter, okay, if you get a letter, when you used to get letters, when you get an email, <laughs> whatever it is, we don't read it one paragraph at a time, fold it up, put it away, and then come back the next day and be like, okay, let me read the second paragraph. Letters are meant to be read in whole, and that is true for New Testament letters. They are meant to be read in whole. It's important that you would get that. It's meant to be read in whole. And so this is a letter that would have come to a group of believers and would have been read out loud. They didn't get their own personal copy of it. It was read out loud as they gathered together. And then they would have talked about it. And then maybe the next week they would gather together again and the letter would have been read out loud and they would have talked about it. And so that's gonna be your encouragement this week is to listen to the letter in whole. Listen to the letter in whole. That's what we're gonna ask you to do. And so we wanna encourage you to go to 2rc.tv slash live it out. Okay, 2rc.tv slash live it out. 
This is new. This week, there's been a QR code that's been up on every single slide that will take you there as well. And what we have there is the live it out as part of, you have the outline that's on the back of your bulletin. You have the live it out that's from the inside of your bulletin, along with an audio link to an audio Bible. Now, I want to admit to you, when it comes to audio Bibles, most, most of them annoy me. Okay, most of them annoy me because they read so slow. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a fast talker, and that means I'm a fast listener. If somebody's, in fact, I had somebody between services say to me, like, I get that. Like, if somebody's talking slow to you, you'd be like, pick it up, pick it up, let's go. Come on, get to the, get to the point, come on. More words, faster. Okay, so I, I have to go like 1.5, 2.0 on most audio Bibles. The one that we have there is not that way. You should just be able to listen to it. 17 minutes, 50 seconds. That's what we're asking of you this week. 17 minutes and 50 seconds once a day for five days. Now, we're not asking you to be an all-star and listen to it five times on Monday and put it away. We're asking for you to, on Monday, listen to it once. On Tuesday, listen to it again. On Wednesday, listen to it again, okay? And if you wanna listen to it more than that, because we want to start with the collective whole. Get what it's saying to y'all. And as you listen, as you listen, and as you, you think about the word you and you and you, and you remind yourself that the majority of these yous are plurals, these are plurals, this is to we, this is to we, this is to we, it's going to change how you view this letter. If you've been through this letter a bunch and, and not done this before, I was having a, a conversation with with Tim the other day, he's like, he walked around the park two times and listened to it. He's like, it leaps out at you, doesn't it? I'm like, yep. When we start to listen within context, when we start to listen within knowing that this isn't a love letter written to me, but it's a love letter written to we, that this is God's story to us, and we begin to listen differently, all of a sudden, the second part of it gets clear. It starts to make more and more sense that if he's talking about what it looks like to live within the community of faith, it's because our identity is in the community of faith. And we have it just me and Jesus, and that's good. That isn't what Paul writes about. This is who we are. And so as we go through this together, uh, this isn't for this week, but as we move forward, here's going to be the encouragement, that you would think paragraphs instead of verses. And so as we go through this, we're going to focus on paragraphs and not verses. Now, I, I know that out there, there's this idea that somehow the super spiritual way to go through the Bible is verse by verse. And the only way that's the super spiritual way to go through the Bible is if you're writing a commentary. Okay, if you're writing a commentary, you can go word by word or verse by verse. But really, uh, this is where, I know I say it a lot, and it, my, my opinion is growing, if you can't tell, where chapters and verses get in the way. Because what's more important than the chapter and the verse is what the Bible is actually saying. And it's a literary structure. There's a structure to it. And so we are going to encourage you to go theme by theme. We're going to encourage you to go paragraph by paragraph. And what we're going to encourage you to do is to think in themes as you go along. And the first theme is, I'm a saint set apart for God's purpose. That you would listen within that context. That where do you fit into the story? If you have a new life in Christ, you're part of the community. You're a person set apart for God's purpose. So as we talk next steps this week, we're going to ask you, take action. We talk next steps, next steps, next steps. But we, we've inverted the paradigm. In, in what before, live it out, 
was a groups tool that you could also use as a personal discipleship tool. And we have flipped that on its head. It is now a personal discipleship tool that groups can use. And for some of you, you're like, what's the difference in that? In my mind, it makes all the difference. This is something to engage you. It is simple. It is daily. You can do it. And that is each day, 17 minutes and 50 seconds that you would listen to a letter. And then there's a, there's a question, maybe two questions. You would think about the theme. What is, what's the theme of what I'm hearing? And you would begin to interact this week with the scriptures. Right now, what we're gonna do though is um, we believe that not only does God communicate to us through the scriptures, but he also communicates through the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God is in us and that we can ask him questions. It means like we can ask Jesus questions because Jesus can speak back to us through the Spirit in our inner man. And so here's the question. Ask Jesus, what do I believe about my identity that is not true? I want to encourage you that, that if, if you have this notion that somehow, some way, Jesus could never love you because of what you've done, that, that in somehow, some way, you're like, you know what? I'm not a saint because. If you have new life in Christ, you, you need to, to recognize that voice for what it is. That is a false humility. It is pride masquerading as humility. If I think what I think about myself is more important than what God says about who I am, I'm now put myself in God's place. I say, I'm more important. What I think is more important than what you say. Now, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm saying it's gonna be a journey. It's gonna be a process, but we have to trade and we're like, wow, I have to believe what is true. This is what God says. I need to step into reality, even though I may not be feeling that. Call it what it is. And it's called pride. I know we view it different than that. But, but your feelings where you think your thought about you is most important can be summarized no other way. So as you begin, we, we want to allow the spirit of God to well up within us, to, to bring to mind those things that he wants us to know so that as we walk through this week, we can trade those for what is true. We can begin to see ourselves as saints set apart for God's purpose. Ask Jesus that question. What do I believe about my identity that is not true? I'm going to share with you that, um, what can this look like? You may never experimented with anything like this before. You may even think, hey, this is a little bit weird. But, but between last night and this morning, there were a couple things that God brought to mind. I actually did it, just like you. I, what do I believe about my identity that is not true? And here was the thought that, that immediately came to my mind, right? That I could not like you. Yep, that's true. I could not like you. And so then the next thing that came to my mind was that's not true because why? I like saints. I don't, I don't have to love them. I actually like them. 
And that's such a foreign concept for me. That, that has everything to do with my baggage, my stuff, and all that. Uh, yes, yes, it does. That, that's all about my, my background. And so you can say, hey, I love you all you want. But if you like me, I don't think anybody likes me. I think people tolerate me. So the fact that Jesus would be like, I actually like you. That's mind-blowing to me. Maybe it's the fact like you've never felt love, you've never felt accepted, whatever it is. It's not true. You are his personal possession. That's incredible for those who are in Christ. And that's where something is, that's something to sing about. And so I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and jump to your seat. And what we're gonna do now is we're gonna enter in to, to worship through song, declaring together, declaring together who we are in Christ. And so like really jump to your feet, like jump to your feet. This is exciting. Here we go. Let's sing together. <laughs> 